This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues that affect your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're going to talk about physical therapy for traumatic brain injury. Curtis Robb holds a doctorate in physical therapy and sees patients at MidMichigan Rehabilitation Services on Wackerly in Midland. Health Dose asked Curtis to explain what a traumatic brain injury is. Traumatic brain injury is an insult to the brain, not of degenerative or congenital nature, so not from birth or anything, but usually it's caused by an external force. Typically with traumatic brain injury, you kind of got two different subsets. You have the acquired brain injury, which is more of like an internal insult to the brain. So that's kind of more of your stroke, more like a seizure related blood clots, things of that nature. Whereas then traumatic brain injury deals more with that external physical force that occurs with the head, typically by a blow or a bump or a jolt to the head that causes the brain tissue itself to be violently shaken against the skull, rotated violently, kind of like a quick acceleration, deacceleration with the brain. Do you find that structures in the brain are injured differently with this traumatic brain injury that is caused by maybe a car accident as opposed to a stroke or something else that might affect the brain? Yes, because typically, again, so when you start talking more about like the brain tissue and the nerves and stuff itself, it's kind of always a secondary occurrence too of what's going on with the body. So if there's a lot more swelling, micro tears within the tissue, and obviously, you know, the amount of force that's occurs through the brain causes differences. So Again, with like a motor vehicle accident tend to be more of a greater cause of like a global swelling, micro tears within the tissue, whereas a mild concussion that you might get out playing a sport, that usually causes just a little bit more of an impaired neural connection within the brain tissue. Little impaired function is still shown, but typically you don't see like big changes on brain imaging if it gets tested. How do you differentiate in your treatment of people who've had one of these two kinds of brain injuries? Acquired brain injury is kind of like the broader scope with, again, there's an internal insult to the brain. So again, deals a little bit more like the blood vessels and such things with strokes, blood clots. And then obviously seizure-like activity also falls into that category. With traumatic brain injury, again, we're talking more of that external force where the brain tissue, again, is being banged against the skull. Rapid acceleration, deacceleration are kind of violently rotated within the brain usually caused by an external force again. So anything from motor vehicle crashes to falls to contact sports. And then as far as treatment differential between the two, it truly depends on how the patient presents. We don't typically treat differently because you had a stroke versus a TBI from a car accident. It's all based on how the patient is presenting. So we still do the similar things as far as, you know, if it's balance issues that they're having, cognitive issues, gross motor function, again, that is determined more so within the evaluation itself to see what the patient's needs are going to be. So in that regard, whether it's an ABI or a TBI, you don't necessarily treat them differently, but everybody who sees you for any kind of brain injury is treated uniquely. Is that fair to say? Fair to say, yes. Biggest thing too, when we're kind of looking at our initial treatment goals is always trying to help the prevention of a secondary injury. So typically then for like a TBI, we're looking at, okay, what caused that injury? A lot of times we see a secondary issue typically comes from like a fall or having a person return back to either like work or like a contact sport too soon. That puts them at a greater risk for a secondary injury. The treatment differential then for an acquired brain injury, you know, if they had a seizure or a stroke is, okay, what other factors contributed to that? Do they have high blood pressure, blood glucose and stuff? Are there things that we can monitor within one of our treatment sessions to help make sure some different, we'll call biological functions within the body there 
are within a safe range when we're exercising with somebody. So again, they're a little overlap in between the two, but when kind of guiding our treatment approaches, we're always looking at those factors that what could potentially cause a secondary injury and making sure that that doesn't occur with our patients. So as a physical therapist, your job is not only to help me regain any function I may have lost, but another concern you have is that I don't re-injure my brain either because of something internally that's going on in my brain or because I might be more susceptible to falls and other injuries. Yes, because again, research shows that you are two to three times more likely to have a secondary brain injury after the first one there. So again, just different factors go into play because again, people are possibly processing, not making the best judgment calls when going out and doing things. There is a loss of either visual, balance related, as well as again, just that problem solving of what's the best thing to be doing. So yeah, one of our main jobs is definitely keeping a patient safe, educating them on things that they should be doing, possibly helping them out with different assistive devices to help around with walking and motion and stuff. But yeah, one of our number one priorities is making sure that we protect that brain that a secondary injury doesn't occur. Why are brain injuries more common in young males? Research shows that with young males, they tend to be the ones that are engaged more in those activities that can obviously lead to a brain injury. So a lot more with contact sports, they tend to drive a little bit faster and a little bit more recklessly, even compared to females in the older population. And again, just kind of more of that just at-risk population, that learning process, I think, with males too early on and figuring out as we get older and different things like that, you know, what are appropriate things to be doing and not doing and stuff. So just a higher risk population, the research tend to show. And that's why it results, unfortunately, for more traumatic brain injuries. Why are death rates higher in the 75 plus population? So yeah, we see a higher death rate in the elderly population, typically because as we age, we tend to have poorer balance, weaker muscles, already having those physical deconditioning changes already seen. So if an elderly person, you know, experiences a traumatic brain injury, that even puts them at a higher risk for that secondary injury. A lot of times that results in falls that ends up being hospitalized. And then typically, again, with the elderly population, they're more likely if they enter into the hospital can lead to a greater death rate. So that's typically why, again, the 75 plus age rates tend to have a higher mortality rate than others. And what's your role as a physical therapist when dealing with somebody who's sustained a brain injury? What is it that you can do for a patient? I look at physical therapy as we're one piece to many. So what I mean by that is it's typically a multidisciplinary approach. Physical therapy is usually working alongside occupational therapy, speech therapy, recreational therapy, you know, your physicians, your psychologists, your nurses. Because again, a lot of times there's a lot of different things that can going on with the patient. So as a physical therapist, we really start to look at addressing the neuromuscular aspect of things. And what I mean by that is motor control, helping people get up and move, whether that be with transferring in and out of bed, just being able to get up and stand again and walk again. We deal with the cognitive aspects. So again, problem solving, coming up with different tasks to help, you know, step-by-step processes if those are affected. We can even help out with like the visual perceptual aspect of things, which again, sometimes with traumatic brain injuries, we see that a lot of people start having some dizziness and it's hard for them to focus on certain things. So with the eyes, we'll work on like some gaze stabilization that obviously helps with their balance and walking and even to just help them out behaviorally and stuff. A lot of times with traumatic brain injuries, you see a person and they look fine. They seem normal and stuff. A lot of times the injuries are internal and sometimes again, being able to 
process emotions, a lot of times you'll see people kind of have mood swings and stuff to where they'll get really angry and depressed about different things. So being able to help them recognize that these are normal responses with their recovery, having them focus on the positive things that they're accomplishing in therapy really does help that quality of life with patients getting back. And physical therapy, when it comes to brain injury, is really where we connect that mind and body connection. I mean, that's really the role of a physical therapist when dealing with somebody with a brain injury is getting their body working, but also getting their brain working. Yes. Like I said, depending on the severity of a brain injury, I mean, we even start early on as if a person's still in a coma, being able to help emerge them from a coma. So we actually do a lot of stimulation therapy. Back in the day, it used to be, okay, you know, you had a bump on the head, let's let the person be in a dark room. It's nice and quiet and calm and stuff and just let them rest in things. But as we have learned over the years, you know, we actually really want to get that brain functioning again, helping stimulate it any which way we can while monitoring again, not to overwork it and really fatigue a person, but start having them do some different light exercises and stuff. With stimulation therapy, it's usually like a noxious stimulus. So most of the time when we're working with clients and they're in a coma, we're trying to really ramp up their system, doing things that may bother them. And a lot of times that ends up being a lot of patient and family education saying that we're not doing any harm to the patient, but some of the stuff that we're about to do may annoy them, may irritate them a little bit, but we really want to ramp up that brain system to kind of get out of that quiet, calm state of going, okay, nope, we got to get back to work. We got to get functioning again. And then again, even like with athletes and things like that, with their traumatic brain injuries, again, having that early on rest period, but then getting back to learning those quick motor movements and patterns and stuff that they were accustomed to before their injuries. It really is starting to ramp up the brain, starting to get those neural connections again between the mind and the body back on the same page while, again, at the same time, making sure we don't overdo things and fatigue them and cause more harm and it's a little give and take with it. Noxious. You, you use the term noxious. <laughs> you want to irritate them a little bit. We do. So again, when I say noxious, it can be, we got a patient that we know they don't like country music. So guess what we're going to play? We're going to play country music because then they're hearing that and they're getting a little agitated. We do different things like even with ice cubes, putting a cold ice cube on a patient's arm to help them get it moving or something like that. Typically you don't like someone touching you with a cold piece of ice when you're not aware of it. So again, that kind of helps stimulate some of those muscle responses and gets people moving. Even doing simple things like tickling them and stuff, touching their faces, just doing different things, again, to kind of get that sensory input back to the brain. Again, it's something that, again, isn't doing any physical harm. We're not doing anything too aggressive or anything like that. But noxious, definitely trying to irritate a person to heighten up that uh, central nervous system to get them awake and get that brain firing again. Tell me about aqua therapy. Aqua therapy is therapy that we do in a pool or in the water. Some of your outpatient as well as like hospital settings will have access to aquatic therapy. And it's really nice because again, typically with aquatic therapy, it's warmer water. So you get that benefit right away of feeling a little bit more relaxed quite a bit. We see a lot of clients that have a lot of either spasticity or tone. So that tight muscles, then joints that don't want to move a lot after a traumatic brain injury. So getting in warm water helps reduce the tone, muscle relaxation, Obviously with water too, you get that buoyancy effect. So again, you feel a little bit lighter in water. You're able to kind of move around a little bit, especially if you're trying to have somebody, you know, work on some balance or walking. A lot of times too, we'll have people float a little bit. We can do some stretching in the pool and stuff as they get further in their recovery and stuff. If they want to get back to actually swimming some laps or doing some good aquatic aerobic exercise in there, that can be beneficial too. So it's just a 
another mode of exercise that we have available to us that can be beneficial. Obviously, everybody's brain injury is different. Therefore, everybody's recovery is different. But what are some of the benchmarks? What are some of the milestones that you try to walk your clients through, figuratively speaking, to get them back to function? Sure. And again, like I said, when we see the diagnosis of traumatic brain injury, you know, again, their status can be across the board. And typically when we're talking about milestones and goals, it really it depends on our evaluations when we talk with the client or the family about realistic expectations of where do you see them or hope them to be at. So we always kind of talk about what was their prior level of function. And we always try to set those early on goals of let's see if we can get them back to something like that. So again, if we have someone who was working and stuff, hey, let's see if we can get them back to work and back to school. A lot of times it's just the simple, I just want to be able to walk again. So throughout the continuum of care, we always say, you know, with the brain, we never know how it's going to respond. Everybody's does respond so differently. I've seen traumatic brain injuries, people in horrible car accidents that six months later, they're up walking again, and you would have never known they're in it. And other people, you know, they are confined, unfortunately, to a wheelchair lifelong, and you kind of start working on, okay, let's have them at least be able to manage themselves in a wheelchair, do some pressure relief changes and stuff, having them just be able to tolerate a treatment session and things. So, but as time goes on and stuff, we really just look for those milestones that mean something to the patient and or the family. You know, that can be something as being able just to attend a graduation or a birthday party, being able to, you know, get out in the community more and reintegrate that. But again, a lot of times it can be just, I want to get back to playing sports with my team and stuff like that. So it's a very hard, broad topic, I know, and answer, but it truly depends on current status of the patient and where they were prior and the severity of their injury. And when it comes to working with a physical therapist, it isn't a matter of we've done six weeks, we're done. You follow up with your patients and do regular therapy ongoing, don't you? Yes, again. So what you can offer and stuff is like with a patient that you're working with, if you've worked with them for several months and or years, there may come a time that you go, okay, let's start talking about discharge. And I kind of feel like you're at a good point that you can work on your home exercise program. You got your family to help you out with stuff. But we kind of do like different, like little check-ins almost, whatever the patient needs, whether that's in two, three months or six months, or I said, I always like to encourage with my patients, come on back. If you got a significant life event that's coming up, you got a party that you want to go to with your family, or there's a graduation, or you're going on vacation or something. And you just want to make sure that your body, you know, is kind of tuned up before that. So I have them come in for a month or two, check in, see how things are going, do like a little status check is always nice to see where they were a couple of months to where they are now to see if they're the same. Have they regressed a little bit or are they making improvements? And then typically, you know, as you're working with clients like that, insurance likes to see those little independent time gaps as well, always promoting independence with our clients, but still letting them know educational wise that, Hey, you know, go and try some things. If you tend to struggle, you're finding yourself, you know, take a step backwards. We're here for you. Let us know. We can get you back in here. We can talk with the doctors and help you out. So yeah, we've been trying to do that a little bit more with people that, you know, have had brain injuries 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's a lifelong issue letting them, you know, come in, get some therapy, get feeling better, work on some stuff to be independent, and then trying to do stuff themselves. What kind of tools do we have available at MidMichigan for people who have suffered a brain injury? In each of our clinics, we have a wide variety of strength and cardio equipment that we're able to use not only with physical therapy, but also with occupational and speech therapy that'll help patients with their strength, endurance, coordination, 
So it's really kind of integrated. You do speech therapy right along with physical therapy. Yep. I said in our clinic here at 304, we're lucky enough to have speech and occupational therapy alongside physical therapy. So those clients that come in can be seen by multiple providers in a single day or depending on their tolerance, if they need to be seen by a couple of therapies one day, another one the other day, we have that option here. But it is nice that if they need multiple treatments that we're able to offer that here under one roof. That is Curtis Romp, DPT with MidMichigan Rehabilitation Services at 304 West Wackerly in Midland. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org slash doctors. And for more information on MidMichigan Health's rehabilitation and physical therapy services, go to midmichigan.org slash rehab. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another episode of Health Dose.